Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. My name is Matt Messiano host of this podcast and I'm joined this afternoon by Jordan Weimer and Jordan we've got a, a difficult proposition ahead of us because we've got a terrible game to talk about we're both pretty low so we're going to get through this as, as quickly and as painlessly as we can uh, and we're also going to talk about um, off the field stuff pertaining to Ranieri um, so we'll get into it. Let's start off with uh, with the game then. Um, what was your what was your thoughts on on, on, on the game itself, Jordan? Uh, I mean, I think I, I think everything went as poorly as it could have done. Um, obviously, the scoreline speaks for itself. But I think we were, I think we were poor in pretty much every department. Um, I guess we'll we'll get we'll get positives out of the way because um, it's not. Not too many to cover. Um, I, I thought I thought there were some individual performances and flashes of performance that was that was decent. Uh, Chucho when he came on, um, I thought it was decent. Pedro um, has some good spells. Yes, agreed. Um, I thought Kembe was 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 good in there. Um, obviously, still playing nice and simple. It wasn't he was he was playing still you know relatively conservative at times, but he was able to spread the ball around nicely and he got he picked it up and carried a few times. There were some positives, but. Um, I mean, outside of those things just mentioned, there there weren't too many. Of course, the um, uh, the, the fans at the beginning too, <clears throat> and the preparation for the game. It, it, it seemed I wasn't there myself, obviously, but it seemed that um, that that everyone put in the effort, and you could definitely hear it. The, the first bit of the game coming through. Yes, yes, the fans. The fans were terrific, absolutely terrific. Um, I could see, you know, watching live on 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 Sky Sports that. Uh, there was loads of them there, plenty of scarves for Graham Taylor Day. Uh, there were fireworks. It looked like the the preparations had been good. Previously, there was that um, post that Musa Sissoko put out saying, "We need you down there. We're gonna, yeah. you know, we're gonna do this for you, but we need your help." And and it it felt like the fans certainly played their part today in 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 being able to, you know, generate the the mood required for for the boys to. Um, to, to you know to perform but unfortunately they, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain yeah i mean the build-up and all the preparation it's just nights like that that make me make me miss home but the the when the games actually played out it's it's nights like that i'm pleased didn't make the journey so um mm. it it's it's tough because obviously you know you put in the effort and you, you you try and support the team but you have to get something back for that and i know it's not always as simple as um 
the players just not trying, of course, is a more complex issue. But um, yeah, I mean, there's lots to discuss in terms of negatives. Um, or, or, I mean, I think rather than go for the game in it kind of through the stages like we normally would, I think we'll kind of talk about it a little bit more generally just to s- stop everyone having to relive those moments and there's enough pain in there as it is. Oh, thank you, Jordan. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to go through them. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't think either of us. We don't want to go through them and no one wants to really listen to it. Although we'll, we'll discuss a couple of things. I will say, um, because this, I'm sure this conversation is going to go heavily towards Ranieri and, and and what's going to happen there. I think that's the most pressing matter um, and topic of conversation kind of right now. Um, but what I will say, which is kind of obviously tied into Ranieri too, just talking about the the team and the game, the way we played, um, I, I, I'm just finding, I've found the last few games, I've I found it so bizarre Um the way that we approach games, the way that the way that things have changed, um, this team looks so much different than the team that that should have got signed from the Chelsea game and could have got signed from the Man City game. The team that beat Man United, um, we're, we're polar opposites. We're passive. Um, we're, we're reluctant to to be aggressive in any area of the pitch. Um, we look we look clueless in, in many many areas. Defensively, we look frail again. Um, and, and we just don't look like the team that we saw. We started to see the embers of something building. Um, in, in the early days of Ranieri we looked like that team that lost Liverpool in his first match not the team that kind of were competitive against the likes of Chelsea United and City uh, and it's really really disappointing um, and this team is stronger than that team that was putting in those those good displays that we saw and but the th- and there's no there's no excuse and it doesn't matter who's in the pitch the principles of what the coach is trying to get across um, the principles should be able to be implemented or at least uh, enough so you can see what's trying to happen um, we're not making the attempt to do so and I, I don't I, I don't quite understand because there's one thing about players not not playing as well as they should do, or players not kind of filling the roles that they're meant to. But this is not this is not a case of a, of a player not doing what he's told to do. It's it's, it's a direct change in approach, and I'm not quite sure the reason as to why. Um, there's no breakdown in communication that's so severe that you you can't implement anything you're trying to do. I mean, the one semblance of a game plan we seem to have, um, which we tried to discuss about during the game on Twitter, but. Um, Every time we got the ball in defence, it was simply get get Tom Cleverley and Sissoko pushing forwards, leave Kambe the deepest midfielder, kind of pin that pin that that midfield four back um, with Sissoko and uh, and Cleverley's runs, allow our space out wide to the fullbacks and try and put cross in the box. I, there was a handful of times, I mean, probably under five, that we even picked up the ball from centre back and played it into Kambe or Cleverley or Sissoko's feet and tried to build from there. I know we're not a team that builds through midfield, but um, there was no effort to to retain possession and look to pull Norwich around. It was simply get the ball wide, put crosses in the box. We did it on countless occasions, um, and it was very very ineffective. And the, the worrying thing for me is that we don't we don't look for any alternate avenues to to create chances. And Norwich clearly were comfortable in dealing with the the threat we were posing, uh, and we had no answer to it, which is really disappointing from Manieri. You expect much better. Um, and then in in the same in the same category as that, you you also look at us, us off the ball, and we become this passive defensive unit that has no has no ability to not just contain but to turn the ball over um there might be gaps in, in quality between us and the teams there shouldn't be between us and Norwich but against others and one of the ways that we saw us bridge that gap was through uh through our athleticism and our ability to press and and even just even just technical uh, sorry even just intelligence just to be able to time our time our press make sets and traps and, and really look like an actual pressing team we were effective at doing it and it raises the energy it gets the crowd going and we still for some reason just strayed away from that on the night that seemed that it would have been perfect for us to do so um and we just don't show it and I think it's a really strange turn in in, in approach 
I have no answer as to why it's happened, but um, yeah, I think last night or sorry, whatever night it was now, it seems it seems long ago and it seems recent, but um, it, it was it was just a mess from from all all angles. Mm. Like you said, we won't talk about every single moment, and and to be honest, you know, I think Norwich were good value for the win. I don't think we can. But it's self-inflicted too, though, isn't it? It feels like it, we didn't stop. We didn't, we didn't put up a fight. Norwich weren't great. But Norwich came with the passion that we didn't seem to yeah. have. They all kind of gave like a five or six, for the most part, like a five, six out of ten. You know, it wasn't that anyone was terrible necessarily. But it's, if you have, you can't, at this level of football, you can't enter a game and not compete in so many areas and come away with a win. You just can't. If you can't, if, you, if you're defending the way we defend, if you're as a, as a unit, this is a collective thing. It's not an individual thing. It's a collective thing. If we attack in the way we attack, we defend the way we defend, we control the ball the way we control the ball, you're not going to come out of those games to win. We were just abject. We were passive. We were, we were lethargic. We were slow. Um, and we just didn't, nothing clicked. And I don't think that's, it's not, there's not one answer to it. This is what happens when you have a multitude of issues that all build up into one 90 minute performance. It's not just the coach. It's not just the players. It's not just the staff. It's not just the, it's not just the, the owners and the recruitment. It's all these things combined leave you with that sort of performance in one of the biggest games of the season. That's what you get. And it's extremely disappointing. It's indicative of some of the issues we're having in general and how they can all have a big effect on what's happening. Uh, and obviously we'll get into this further, but it's also another example of why or how you can't just address uh, a large issue like this through one one action. But um, I'm sure that's at for the short term, probably the, the thing we're going to do. Norwich um, were a bit fortunate. Uh, I think it has to be said, they got a bit of luck. Um, the first goal that they scored, there was a potential foul in the build-up that was checked and, and VAR ruled that it wasn't a foul. What was your opinion there? Yeah, I mean, there was some luck in the game. I mean, Sergeant's finish is obviously just a reactionary kind of flick and it, he does well, but um, there's always going to be an element of, of fortune to that. But I, I don't think it was a foul. I think that there's some contact there, but I, I think it's more... I think you have to be critical of defending. I think it's a shame because Samir, I thought, was decent. He was good in the first game against Newcastle too. Um, but I, I thought that was just poor defending and he allowed himself to be in a position where he could get um, physically kind of dominated like that and pushed off the ball. Um, so I, I don't hate the decision not to not to give a free kick there. I think it's just... Um, I think that goal's on us. It, we, let, we allow Norris to be in a situation to have those chances through our own fault. Um, I'm pretty sure a couple, not maybe a couple minutes before that, incident there was this very similar situation where I can't recall who it was now maybe it's Cabo maybe it's even Josh King he lost the ball in a similar situation and Norwich almost had a chance and then um, we let the same thing happen again so it's I think that goal's on us and I think again that's just another example of um, of how far off it we were the uh, the second goal was was a you know a very powerful header from from Sergeant but it came after a, a period of um, of time for both players on the sidelines after there was the the floodlight failure. Um, <laughs> I suppose that was that was a, a you know a good opportunity for Ranieri to you know try and get his team playing a bit better. <laughs> the game was full of opportunities to do that, and you shouldn't need a break to 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 have a reaction to what was happening on the pitch. Not just from the coach, from the players too. I think it was it was clear from the from the onset that we were not up to it I mean maybe the first five minutes but you can I mean you can tell by the, the way the, the crowd quietened down so quickly it was once Norwich got into us and we we clearly weren't there for for the game in the way we needed to be the first half was 
just such a dire game of football. And then again, Norwich weren't great. Obviously, they contributed to that, but we were we were really off, and it was just a, a bad, bad display. So, I mean, yeah, it was an opportunity to kind of rally and and maybe maybe a better opportunity to actually sit down and talk to the players, have an opportunity to speak to them all um, as a collective. But it it just didn't happen, did it? And then the third one rubbed the salt in the wounds, really. Uh, another Kuchka own goal. Yeah, yeah. Just he's getting a few, he's getting a few of those now. Yeah, he is. It, it's just you know it's it's not good. It's the same thing. It's uh, just put putting the foot out and, and tapping towards goal. And by that point, it was just a just an extra kind of salt in the wound, wasn't it? It was the game felt felt pretty dead by that point anyway. But that really confirmed it, of course, with the with the Dennis sending off as well. They just you know that's just the final piece. After the match, Jordan Ranieri said that uh, he needs a team that are playing for each other rather than playing as as individuals. I don't know. How did you see it? No, I do agree with him in, in many ways. I think it's not so. Can you explain? Can you explain to to, to the likes of myself um, what what he what he means by that, Jordan? Because um, you know, I think typically when I hear that kind of thing, I, I think, oh, okay, I'm going to be looking out now for players that are hanging onto the ball, sort of refusing to pass it, not willing to, you know, uh, involve other teammates, going for efforts from very far out when there are clearly better options on. I didn't see any of that in the game. So I, I didn't understand what 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 Ranieri was trying to explain. Well, I, I think when he, my interpretation of that sort of comment is he, he's referring to he's referring to the team as working as a collective, as a unit, not so much hanging on to the ball and, and acting selfishly, but it, it's very easy for for players to play within themselves and and go through the motions and and not have that that connection as a team um intensity obviously becomes an issue and and you pass on responsibility and i don't mean necessarily passing on the ball and kind of shifting it to someone else but you're not you're not putting in the maximum effort and when it comes to playing as a team you, you expect to put in that extra percentage of work, put in that 110% for the guy next to you and, and work as a unit. In these big games and these important games, you have to show some character. And I think we were massively lacking that. Um, and and that, would be my, that would be my interpretation of what he means. He, he means he wants to see a performance from a team as a whole, not this playing within yourself, no one really taking responsibility and, and kind of just going through the motions that, you know, in, in second gear and, and never really kind of pushing on. There were moments of doing so, but I, I think it was a game that kind of showed our lack of character and, and, and showed that we can't compete or it, it, if we play like that, we certainly can't compete in this league. Um, and that would be what I expect he means. Mm, okay. Emmanuel Dennis had a particularly poor game um, against Norwich. Jordan. Well, this is this is exactly another example. I mean, that's another example of of not playing as a team. If you you're in that situation with Dennis is on, um, you're not playing for your team. You get yourself sent off in such a dumb way, um, and and that's that's again indicative of the performance. He, he's lucky to be on the pitch. I think he he got the yellow card, and not long after that, in the first half, he took a dive in the box and could have easily seen another yellow, um, and then eventually gets himself sent off, and that's. Not what we need. Obviously, not what we need. Um, I think it's probably also a comment on things that are perhaps happening off the pitch in terms of the squad. I think there's perhaps some some toxicity within within the playing staff, and I, I think that comes across on the pitch as well. Um, you know, we saw a bit of an, not altercation, but an interaction between Pedro and and, and King. 
um, there's frustration there and it, it all seems a little bit more on the frustration of um, simply just not passing the ball there's just a just a bad bad vibe I get from from this team right now um, there's some negativity there and it, it comes across in the body language of the players and whilst you've got some you've got some good characters in there I'm sure you know the likes of Sissoko and stuff but I think there's a culture at the club which has definitely definitely left us in a position where we suddenly we, we feel very very frail, um, but also just very prone to kind of getting into these negative spirals. Well, let's talk a bit about that culture, Jordan. How do you think that's um, manifested itself? Well, I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure you can look at this from a number of angles, and I'm sure there's multiple multiple that play a part in, into creating this, but I, I think you can look at, for one, for sure, you can look at the way the team is run, um, the, the club is run, sorry. You can look at the, the way the coaches come through, and that, that can have an impact on it. It's not just that, um, but I think allowing the players to, to lack that accountability on occasion um, and, and knowing that they can kind of shift some of that blame onto the coach or the blame will be put onto the coach very quickly does, even if it's even if it's subconsciously, it does kind of create that that lack of responsibility and it, it can it can play a part. You also have a lot of players that are coming through the club and, you know, you don't know what characters are there. It's hard to kind of assess based on uh, what we see over 90 minutes. But I, I know for a fact there's been numerous numerous people that I've spoken to that have said negative things about the the atmosphere around the team for for a number of years now um and for me you don't have to look any further than obviously this is a, a mixture of of kind of information that I've got from talking to people and also kind of some conjecture here but you look at the situation with Will Hughes for example I, w- I was told and I think it definitely played an impact is the culture in the club and, and the t- some of the toxicity surrounding it played a part in, in that move too I mean you look at the situation there's a lot of commenting on on how Will was making a sideways move, um, going to a club in the you know, very close by, similar standard, maybe a bit harsh on Palace. They're a little bit more established, but kind of around the same level. Not a huge wage increase, just not a massive step up in the career. And, and what would make a player like Will Hughes do that when he, he's at a club he should be relatively comfortable at? Um, he, he's familiar with things. He's kind of well, well respected and, and well thought of in, in every level, from the fans to the to the ownership. Um, yeah, he's made a decision to move, um, and and. There are aspects that we don't get to see um, that play a part in that. And I think there has been um, some real negativity there. And I think it's starting to come through. And we've seen it come through on multiple occasions. And we kind of sometimes put a bit of a plaster over it and, and we don't see it for a while. But again, it starts to emerge. And I think it comes down it comes down to so many factors playing a part. Um, but it's something that has to be addressed. And it can only be addressed through being massively introspective as a club. Um being humble enough to talk about whether decisions that are being made that are going wrong uh, and actually coming up and, and sitting down and working out a way of how you address them and having some some genuine, open, serious conversation of what is going wrong here, what is causing this, kind of what is causing this situation consistently to reoccur um, over almost, you know, you could say seven years it's been kind of floating around uh, and now we're really kind of seeing the, the, the worst of it and it comes across it on the pitch in, in a situation like... Uh, like the game versus Norwich, and it's just it's terrible to see. Mm. It, it it starts at the top, doesn't it? Uh, it, it you know, in the in in the boardroom, um, you know, Mr. Pozzo, Scott Duxbury. I don't think as I don't think that the way they approach things in a broad in a in a broad way is inherently wrong or bad. I don't think it's so much that. I think it's just like I think I think since. Since we were, since they took over in that initial phase, we had that we had that plan. We had the idea of what we're looking to do. What our what our goal was was very clear. The goal was promotion, um, and they came in with a clear, um, consistent idea of how to achieve that goal. 
Um, they also had an idea of how to progress once we did so. Getting, you know, when we first came in, the recruitment, we understood this is the sort of coach we've got here. We want to work towards this. This is the sort of coach we want to bring in. I know they made changes, but they brought they, they made changes with coaches that fit the sort of recruitment they had because they had that access to players from Udinese. They knew they, for example, had that back three set up. They had lots of centre-backs, lots of players that work within that, wing-backs, etc. So the coaches that came in all fit that in that promotion run. We get promoted. We understand, okay, we need to change of approach. We've got to be proactive here. We need to be able to stay in the league. That's objective number one. They bring in a coach which has a track record of doing similar things or playing in a certain way. We achieve it. We try to make a next step up and we know that we have to progress from there. It's not a long-term solution. It's, it's a one-season thing. You establish yourself. You can keep that status and you move on. You bring in a coach that you think is someone that's capable of taking your club to the next step and taking that team to the next step. Again, you continue with some consistency or some some level of consistency in recruitment and, and fitting the, the coach that's coming in. Um, you, you bring in Walter Mazzari. doesn't go as well as you planned. That stuff's going to happen, but we had an idea Again, how can we keep taking this club to the next level? You bring in a coach like Marco Silva. It made sense at the time. He's a young, ambitious coach that's looking to progress himself. You both kind of serve each other there. Again, things didn't go well. Completely gave the club a pass in that situation. They, I thought they handled themselves as well as possible, and I thought they actually made a good decision at, at the time. I think they were unfortunate in two occasions there with Mazzari and Marco Silva. Obviously, then um, we have a really... Not lucky necessarily, because obviously they did their due diligence on on Gracia, but Gracia became the best spell of our recent history. Um, that that team was a, a good team, and it all clicked. We had the playing staff, we had the manager. It was it was it was good. It was very good. We started to see again some progression. Then we finally were kind of getting towards that stage, breaking into the top half of the table, we're getting to the FA Cup, and that effectively was our end goal. That was where we got to, and then we had we started to see after that period of time, okay, now what do we do? Because we, we have to change something. We can't stick to this same, this same plan that we've, we've kind of stuck to along the way. We have reached that point. So, of course, they, they extend Gracia, but they back out of it so quickly. Uh, and I'm not saying necessarily wrong to move on from Gracia with the things that were happening. There were some issues, of course, but we lost our way a bit and, and things started to splinter. Um, the recruitment started to to struggle a little bit I think it became much harder when the coaches we were bringing in weren't as consistent or they weren't as it, it felt they weren't as thought out and we we then have to kind of recruit for really we don't know what for and we're having to go for players that are available and the best available rather than the best fit and things slowly over time start to, to deteriorate and we end up in a situation we were in and of course the relegation happens and it snowballs and snowballs and snowballs uh, and it leads to a situation we are now and I, I just think we're freestyling it we're improvising and we've got so many We've got some good people that work at the club. I, I genuinely believe we've got some talented people that work in all areas of the club, but they're not focused on one cause. It's split off into so many directions. They're all doing their own thing, and there's no idea in place. There's no there's no director of football that's sitting there sat and said, look, guys, this is what we're looking for. We've got to look for this. This is the head coach. These are the things we need from our head coach. This is what our plan is over the next five years. They're going to be bumps along the way, but we've got some contingencies. We know how to react. We have to be consistent in the plan. And you don't have to have consistency in head coach always or in players. You know that's going to change, but you have to have consistency in how you're going to bring these guys in and what you want, what your profile is. We haven't done that. We haven't done that with the players. We haven't done that with the coach. And it makes it impossible to then actually get the benefit out of the way we operate as a club if you don't have that in place. A lot of the time uh, I hear rival fans talking about um, their club's way, you know, the West Ham way, the, the Aston Villa way, the, the Manchester United way, whatever. But 
when I think of about what the Watford way is, I, I don't think I could clearly tell you what, what the Watford way is, what our plan is, what our, what our idea is. Maybe earlier, you know, when you were talking about, you know, the very beginnings under the Pozzo uh, regime, it did seem like there was a, a Watford way, but now it's very undefined and um, it, it's hard it, it's hard to put your put your finger on exactly what we need to be working towards. This is exactly my point. This is exactly my point, Matt. This is exactly what I'm saying. At the beginning, you have that you have the understanding, and what you're talking about is an identity, isn't it? As a football club, it's an identity, not just not just what you're doing on the pitch, but it's everything that that builds towards what you see on the pitch. It comes from so much work off it to create that performance over ninety minutes, and we don't have that feeling. We don't have that feeling of this is how we're going to move forward. And that's what I'm saying. It's so, it's so improvised because once you move on from Gracia and you bring in a head coach, you, or you bring in Pearson and you, and you say, okay, this is what you've got available to you. We haven't got, we've got this, this coach has come into a group of players that are so, so disconnected, so different. And suddenly we're meshing them together. It works out for a little bit while, but a little while, but it's always going to be temporary. It's never going to be consistent. And we, we don't have that plan in place and it's easy to sit there and say have a plan um as if there's some like you know combination of ideas you can put together perfectly to give you this simple route to success of course it's not that but that's why in a in a sport when you're running a football club you're working for a football club there are so many variables and so many things that could happen both positively and negatively all you can do is is find a way to put yourself in the best position to succeed and in a way, they try to do that with the way we deal with our head coaches. It's all contingency. Head coaches and players are going to move on. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket on the head coach. You don't want to rely so much on the head coach. If he leaves, it's devastating to the club. So having so having a head coach system where they are replaceable, you limit their input off the pitch and kind of keep them towards the coaching um, and running of the first team, that's fine. But the way that it stays consistent is how you work off the pitch. Consistency in recruitment, consistency in the types of coaches you appoint. As soon as you stray from that, as we did, we see it start to crumble. And we've had no, there's been no, there's been no kind of sign that we're looking to rectify that. We don't seem to want to take advantage of some of the, some of the things that we have at the club, um, whether that be playing staff or departments. Um, I, I know there are departments that are underutilized. I know there are, there are areas that aren't listened to maybe equally and it, it just becomes this this toxic thing and it translates into the dressing room, it translates into the players, it translates onto the pitch. Uh, and we see this kind of, this culmination of it in 90 minutes of football and it's, it's gross, it's terrible. A lot of things that I read on, on Twitter from Watford fans about what they, well, what they're asking for is, is for um, a coach to come in that is given time to to build and grow with their team. And and they're not so much worried about sustaining Premier League football, more about building something that that can become what uh, I suppose what the likes of Brentford have done and, and that that sort of thing. But that seems to be very out of kilter with what the board want to do. But again, that, that's that's that that's it, isn't it? Brentford Brentford's success and and how they've kind of transitioned and moved on as a club isn't down to Thomas Frank. Frank has a big part of it, of course, in recent years, but it comes from that consistency they built off the pitch. Brentford built consistency in, again, their recruitment of staff, 
of players of how they assess the thing, how they assess the game, how they how they break things down, how they look to move forward. It's all in one sing. It's all one singular thing. It's always working together. It's not this kind of mismatch parts and you know this uneven balance. They had this identity they built over time, and they're now reaping the rewards of it. It's a process, and we are now at the end. We came to the end of a process, and have completely flipped the switch and having to start again. We have to start again. We have to. We have to. As I said, we have to be humble. We have to kind of be able to self-assess and be able to kind of look at look at the club from top to bottom and say, what are we doing wrong? How could we be working better? What what what, what issues do we have? We can't just keep trying to to paint over them with switching the head coach or or bringing this player in. Or, or do, we have to be able to assess ourselves more more kind of just this is a little bit more intelligence a little bit more thought going into it because right now we're so reactionary so short term i know keeping premier league status is important i'm not saying that we want to just kind of go down and reset and rebuild and it's going to be easy but this isn't simply simply not working and i don't i don't know if we have if we don't if we have ownership that's able to do that that's able to be so thorough and able to kind of change their ways but i really hope we do because the way we're going right now it's not going to get better until we do in my opinion what are the, the the key things that you feel as though have failed uh with with the Pozzo since you know since the, they they came in what 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 have they uh what what have they missed jordan what- i think i think there's a couple of things i think one you can look at is preparation um i think preparation is gone um and what i mean by that again is being ahead of the game and knowing what you're looking to do having an idea of what you're going to do how are you going to work towards that goal you might not make it 100% but are you working towards it are you seeing incremental improvements do you have targets and how you're going to improve? I think we've lost that. I think we've just become we've become lethargic and slow to move and just slow to adapt. And then that's the next point. I, I think adapting um, and, and keeping up with the teams around us. Um, their successful ownership uh, of Udinese, obviously they've had input in Granada too. There's been success, but the times are evolving and they're not evolving with it, I don't think. Um, obviously, this might be more from a recruitment department. They have a great scouting unit. They have a, a unique scouting unit um, and department. They do a good job. Don't get me wrong. They 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 do it. They're really good at finding and assessing players. However, they're missing. Well, they, they were once at the top of their game in terms of video analysis, and no one else was doing it when they exactly started. That, and it. this is this is not this is a common thing across you know multiple sports, multiple businesses, any, anything in life. When you when you are when you are the innovator and you become successful, it can blind you to progression. And I think we have been blinded somewhat to progression. I know we have a massively understaffed, underutilized an- analytic department at the club. I don't think analytics is the answer to everything. I know, obviously, my Twitter handle, Waft Analytics, I like to look at data, I like to look at stats. I think it's a great tool um, to, for the game. I don't think it's the only way you do things. I think it's you use it in conjunction with other areas. And to have to have someone at the club like we do, uh, in, in Miguel Rios, for example, uh, and just have him and have him handcuffed and not able to actually contribute. Obviously, look, I'm not, this is I'm just saying this is my opinion. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, under one, anyone under the bus here. But I, I do think that we are hamstringing ourselves unnecessarily. Um, we're not giving the input we could do into certain areas that could help push this team forward and help us progress as a club. Um, we have to be open to new ideas. We have to be open to everything. Nothing should be, nothing should be ruled out. We should be looking at every single angle and how we make this club better. And I know, it's, again, it's easy to say from our perspective and just have this idealistic approach of what things we should do, but you need to be seeing something. 
and we're simply not seeing it. We're just seeing the results of lack of preparation and things falling apart and kind of getting getting lost in the time and not progressing uh, on and off the pitch because where we were as a club five years ago, we were kind of pushing towards that cutting edge. Now we're just slowly, slowly regressing and regressing, regressing uh, and we're becoming an old school team uh, and we're falling away. Well, if we take recruitment as a as, as a point, as you as you brought it up there, Jordan, I mean, um, you know, almost every every month, Watford uh, are being highlighted as as having found another young uh, potential uh, you know player, and you know, often these days from South America, and um, you know, Jao Pedro is an is an example of someone we've brought in before that, Richarlison, and now we're we're looking at. Um, Asprilla, you know, I mean, so I'm not sure if, if you know, we're we're completely out of out of touch there with with from the recruitment side of things. Well, no, but that's not my my point. Is not that we can't assess good players. That's not the problem. The problem is if you, if okay, if you work in recruitment, worst nightmare as a recruitment guy, as a head of recruitment, is recruiting for a team that doesn't have that doesn't have a style of a set style of play and isn't. Isn't bringing in isn't bringing in coaches that fit a certain style of play. You then set you're then left with the, the the option of okay, we need we we're short on centre back or we're short, let's just say we're short on we're short on centre midfielders. So we'll go and look and look for midfielders and and find someone that fits um, fits the team need. But then you get in a coach who doesn't require that sort of player. That's that can go down as a failed signing. That can go down as a bad mm. move. You can't you can't prepare for you don't that's what I mean you don't have to have the consistency of the same head coach but you have to understand what sort of head coach you'll be getting or what style of play you need you can't build and have that success without that it doesn't work you're just hitting and missing too many times and you get these players that suck through these clubs you get the two fans you get you know you, you get these guys that come in which which have turn are able to contribute and they're just they're put in a situation they can't succeed, they can't play to their optimum level, and it's just a waste. We can we can look at players like Dennis. Yeah, Dennis has been great. He's done well. Good find. Jao Pedro, again, same. But what about all these other players that supplement them? What about these players around we have to bring in, not just the star young kids, the, the guys we have to bring in, the veterans and the kind of the pieces that make the team? We, we we don't allow ourselves to do it efficiently and effectively because we're just having to guess and look for best available. We're looking for players that are good and at a good price. That's great. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But I want to be able to do that for a team and, and have an understanding of how they're going to fit and where they're going to go. And then have an idea of how to continue that throughout the next few years. Then it allows you to buy young players and know when they're going to slot into the team and know they're going to be able to play in the, to the best of their ability and, and, and have a good fit. But right now, it's not. It's just to kind of buy what's available in the market when it's available and, and kind of squeeze them into the team as ever we can. When was the last time that Watford had a recognised style and who was the last coach that was brought in to uh, complement that style? Well, I think the last time that we had a consistent approach, in a sense, was... Uh, in the original promotion season, well, well, when Zola, when Zola was appointed, he brought the players from Udinese across, and we were saying, "Look, this is the coach we've got. These are the players we have available to us. They both fit. Let's let's move forward with this." Zola goes. We continue down a similar route. Obviously, you have the likes of Sanino and Jakanovic that comes in. They all are able to utilize the players they have available to them to their best degree, or, or try to at least. So, would those coaches have been signed because they were? Uh, identified as being able to carry on the same style that had been implemented yes. by by Zola? Uh, well, or was well, that style implemented or, or decided upon by uh, by the board or someone higher? It's, it's, yeah, uh, exactly. And, um, and then they were they, they basically instructed Zola how they wanted uh, the, the team to, to play. It's very, not, very basic. It's not so much they instruct them how they want the team to play, but you say... When they take over the club, they have to do an analysis of, of the team they have at their disposal, what players they can bring in, and say, look, this is where we're strong. Um, they're bringing in these players from, from Serie A. They have this this base of players that have played in the way throughout their careers, and, and they're at a team that play in this system. They bring, a, they bring in a coach that fits that. So it's not bringing in Zola and saying, that you have to do this, this, this. It's bringing in a coach who you know. You interview the coach, and you know what their ideas are. If you have an interview with a coach, they're going to say to you, this is my idea for the team. This is what I'd like us to do. This is how I like to play football, blah, blah, blah. And you have an understanding of what he's going to do. The two fit together. And then you say, right, this is our this is our approach. This is how we're going to do things going forward. This is the sort of, we need to make sure we have this many centre-backs available for us to play in the, in the back three. We have players that are versatile and able to play wing-back. We have guys that can play in midfield. We have a box-to-box midfield. We have enough strikers. You have you have to build the team around that. So then when Zola goes, the next guy who comes in, same sort of situation. You know how he's going to play. You know what his philosophies are. You think the two are a good fit. It allows you to recruit consistently. Keep recruiting towards that style of play. Obviously have some tactical flexibility in there that if someone wants to switch things up, if, say, Jokanovic comes in and wants to play with a diamond for a while, he's able to do so. But you still have that strong foundation. 
obviously it becomes much harder when you get promoted because suddenly you're not the top of the league anymore. You're a team fighting for survival. They they adapt accordingly and they bring in a coach and they, they make some changes in recruitment. We moved on a lot of players uh, and we changed things and it did work for Kike. We started to kind of, again, balance again for, for Mazzari. And then eventually when Gracia came in, Grassi was the first coach that I think really did a good job of imposing his own beliefs, his own philosophies, his own style on the team and getting the most out of the players he had available to him. There were some square pegs in there, but he actually did a really good job of finding that balance. Uh, and then I, I think we, as we kind of, I don't want to kind of harp on about it and over-discuss it, but I think that's where we started to lose our way was after him. And um, since then, especially, we've just not had that consistency of, of approach. Who, who, who would it be at the club, if not the head coach, who decides how Watford should progress depending upon the different variables available, for example. Well, this is why you have a director of football. You want a director of football that's assessing all these departments and finding the fit and making sure these things do go together. You think of think of recruiting head coaches the same way you would as recruiting a player. Does he fit what we need? Then you bring him in. Not bring him in and react accordingly because we cycle through head coaches the way we do. We operate with our head coaches the way we do. It would be dumb and naive to adjust to each one of them accordingly you bring them in to a situation that fits both parties not bring them in and then react Watford when they uh appointed Sanchez Flores knew themselves that Slavisky Kanovic would not be the right man to take Watford into the Premier League you know based on what their ideas were of how the Premier League would change the style that they needed to play now should that same decision have been thought about in greater detail for Cisco, given that, again, Watford would be facing a different style of football that they hadn't been previously playing in the championship. And if that's the case, why do you feel as though they make the same decisions this time around? Because that's that's, that's a perfect example. And and, and actually, I, I know for a fact it's been discussed by us too. This was a this was a risk they took when when they got promoted, we knew when when Cisco arrived, there were there were frail, there were issues with with Cisco when he arrived in in the championship. We knew that, and there was tons of conversation surrounding him when we got promoted and, and, and concerns as to how we would adapt to the new league. Obviously, it's a much different task from from taking the team with the best hand in the championship to suddenly you're a bottom end team. And you've got to survive. It's a much different, it's a much different task. And we knew there were some issues with Cisco. The difference between there now is the strength and conviction and, and belief from the club and trusting the process. They did not trust the process. They did not. They 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 went half measure. And when you go half measure in these situations, then that's what happens exactly. If Cisco doesn't work out. You have to react. The only way to react to this club, move on from him. You bring in someone else. And it's a it, it's another another season of bringing in the coach and having to try and, and make up for lost time, having to try and redirect, having to try and regroup. It, it's it doesn't work. It doesn't work long term. It's the same thing as Pearson because we fell away from it. We did not trust the process. That that exact situation, as you said, is what happened with with uh, Slavica Djukanovic. You bring in the coach, part for the season. He has a, he has a great job. Um, he gets you into he gets you into position where you get promoted. Fantastic, but. The fans knew this time way more than than when Djokovic took us up. There was way less belief in Cisco lasting or, or doing a good job in the Premier League than there was for Djokovic. So can, so can we can we boil this whole Premier League season down to one bad decision to not fire Cisco at the end of the season? 
No, because it's easy in hindsight to say that. It's easy to make a decision from our position right now. I wouldn't boil it down to one situation. But what I'm saying is that situation being made is down to so many factors all playing a part. And it, it's a chain event. It's never down to one thing. There's always plenty of things that are playing a part in it. But that, again, that sort of decision is indicative of the club not having a consistent style and a consistent idea of what they're trying to achieve or how they're going to achieve it. That, that that's there's not a situation that would have been made previously. We can see it, it was evident with Cisco where where things were going to struggle. We, we knew that he wasn't able to adapt in game. We knew that he struggled to adapt for opponent. We saw the rigidity of the of the team that we had and the way that he approached games was was very simplistic at times, which was what we needed at that time in the champ. We needed someone that did play in that way and did allow us to do those things and did bring a good energy and and feel to the dressing room, which has struggled at times. We needed that. It can harbor quality and the best team in the league. It, it can it can be successful, but we needed much more. Uh, and I know there's obviously the difficulty. There's COVID involved. There's lots of other things, but. It did not take long before it became apparent that the fears were indeed justified and uh, and things had to happen. But this fan base has never been more correct than in recent years with how they expect things to go. It's it, it, it's becoming very predictable. Um, and it's not, this is a fan base, like, you know, you support Watford, you watch every, most, so many of these fans watch every game. They can see these things. We're not, they're not dumb. They're seeing everything that's happening. And yet still, we make decisions that are contrary to what's in front of us. And it, it, it's frustrating. At the start of January, Jordan, um, and this was quite a small sample size, but I put out a little poll uh, and around about 100 odd people replied uh, to this poll. It was quite a simple poll. It was, uh, you know, should Ranieri um, be backed by the board and, and um, you know, stay essentially or, or, or should he go? Um and three weeks ago, 84% of, of, of the Watford fans that replied said, stick with Ranieri. Now, I put out a similar poll yesterday, um, and there's been a massive, massive flip. Uh, and now 67% want to sack Ranieri, or want, Rani, want to see Ranieri sacked. So in this month, Jordan, the opinion... Uh, of and you know and the rating of, of, of Ranieri um in terms of the backings from the fans at least has um has completely U-turned. Yeah, I mean it's it's frustration it's it's you know, it, I understand. Um but I don't think I don't think those people I don't think people that feel that way also feel like everything else apart from Ranieri has been good. We know everyone knows there's bigger issues but you're expecting some hope for change and it it's just kind of so, so some of the things that came out with that, Jordan, were he deserves to be given better players. These results are not the fault of Ranieri. He'll be able to perform better once he's given better players to work with. Um, on the face of it, it looks like he has been given those players. He hasn't had a great deal of time to work with them. He's only had a, a couple of games with them, but they haven't gone the way that people have hoped. and. It seems as though people have decided that they no longer want to back him. It seems it seems odd to me that that he had such a, a rousing support only weeks ago, um, that he's been given the tools that people were crying out for, but that because uh, he hasn't been able to immediately deliver with those tools, um, people have lost faith. Yeah, but he's also but it's, it's also consistent back to back 
poor, poor performances. And you can debate how much of that. It's, it's all percentages of, of kind of how who's accountable for those things. Um, it's, it's never going to be simply just Ranieri or not him at all. They're all they're all involved and there's obviously different elements. But I think the succession of negative results and not just results, but performances have been very poor and continue to be poor for the last few games. And whether that's him or not, completely, you have to see how can you address that. And obviously the, the thing, you, if you're going to react partway through a season, you can't sack the playing staff, you can't shift things up. That The way you mix things up and try and bring an, an injection of positivity into a club or a team is through changing coach because that's the one thing you can do mid-season. So I understand the idea of that. I understand why people want to feel like that's the necessary thing to do or feel like it's the best thing to do. It may be the best thing to do. If you've been the right guy and it might help enough, it might do. But I think for me, it's important if you are going to go down that route, you have to find someone to bring in that's not coming in here to be the short-term fix. I'm not saying put all your eggs in one basket on the coach and commit everything to one coach, but I think you have to bring in someone that's going to be looking to stay with the club for the next season and allow them to work. They have to be confident or have to be happy or content with playing in either the Premier League or the Championship because it could still go either way. Uh, and you have to move forward. If you're not going to do that, then don't sack Ranieri because we're not going to change anything anyway. Reassess in the summer and go again then. But it, it, it's, very, it's very likely we move on from Ranieri, who was brought in in a reactionary fashion and I'm sure, was never, I'm sure there's no chance that he stayed next year regardless of what happened. That's just not the plan. Ranieri was coming in to finish the season off and try and keep us up. So if we go down the same route again, if we move on from Ranieri and bring in another short-term guy to try and keep us up and then reassess in the summer, you know, then you start to ask questions, are we really making an impact or not? What should Watford do now, Jordan? Uh, it, it seems on the face of it, just given from their previous efficiency, that um, they haven't identified a replacement coach if they are going to be dismissing Ranieri because we would have heard about it already so I think he'll go man I, I still I still think they're going to move on from him I, I do um I do think they'll do yeah, well if, if if they are going to move on from him they um they don't seem maybe certain on on who that next person's going to be which is worrying it is worrying but I don't think there was I mean yeah it is of course well, I, I, only because previously they always seemed to have somebody lined up before they pulled the trigger I do think they have. I do. Th- I, I do think they have. A, I, I do think they have a guy. I, I think they have someone that is lined up. I just think it's not been, it's not got to that point yet in, in terms of the news cycle. But um, like, I think in terms of what should they do, I think just they need to have a they need to have a full on autopsy of what's going wrong. They need they need to they need to readdress. They need to they need to re, they need to recalibrate. Um, but you can you can argue as to whether they should move on from Yuri or not this season. I don't think a new coach is necessarily going to fix things. I think if you, there is there is a, there is a world in which you stick with Ranieri and you allow him to to perhaps improve things. It's a it's a it's still a risk though. These, these are all risks you're taking. There's no perfect route and there's no there's no clear route because of the situation we find ourselves in uh, and the way we've conducted ourselves previously and handled things previously. I think it makes things way harder. Um, and it's very difficult kind of murky water to go through. It's not it's not easy. It's not simple at all. Um, but I just think there's an open argument as to whether we should be moving on from Ranieri or not. Uh, and if we do, how we go how we go ahead, because I think it's very unclear. Should they move on from Watford? Have they have they taken the club as far as they can? That's up to them, Matt. It's up to, it's it, it's honestly it's it's how they react to the situation. If they are hum if, if they have the humility to say to them it doesn't have to say it publicly, I'm not expecting I'm not expecting a big statement from themselves. 
But if they are able to self-assess and, and have the humility to identify and isolate the issues and say, look, we've gone wrong here. This is, what's, this is what we've done wrong. What can we do to make it? If they can do that, fine. If they only want to continue with the way they know and continue to, to kind of have these half-measured approaches, which of course they're not going to, in their own opinion, they're not going to feel like it's the case. But they continue to go along that route and, and not change and not adapt, then it's not ideal for the club. And it's not to undermine everything they do right. It's not to undermine everything they've done correctly over this time and the success they've brought to the club. But they are not, they are not an ownership which is completely able to avoid any sort of criticism. They're not. They're not that. They're not that ownership. There's just not. Simply, you have to be able to say there are some issues. And I don't know. I don't know whether they can do that or not. That only can be. That only can be told through time and how they react to the next few months. I haven't uh, done a poll about this particular thing, so I, I don't have uh, any inklings into how the Watford uh, fan base is feeling towards the board. But um, whenever previous questions have been brought up, generally the Watford supporting uh, fan bases have been pretty in favour and pretty pleased about what the Pozzos have, have done for Watford as a, a, as a whole. But um, I think if you were to take a measure now, you'd find more people feeling as though, you know, they're starting to get a bit uh, disillusioned, maybe, with the way that uh, the Pozzos are running the, the show. Of course, man. Yeah, I mean, I think undoubtedly, I think it'd be an over. I think it'd be a pretty. I think it would definitely err on the on the side of negativity regarding the ownership, especially when you're taking the gauge. You're kind of measuring the temperature of the room at this time, um, for sure. Uh, but it's a divisive topic, honestly, because you, you can't undermine what they have done, but it doesn't mean that they are kind of immune to any sort of criticism now. Would you like to talk about any of the potential? Uh managers that have been speculated i mean whenever it comes to watford it almost seems seems, seems pointless until uh you know moments before the appointment is even made because the people that are, that are traditionally in in the uh in the line from the from the bookies never end up being the ones that uh that are appointed but do you want to do you want to talk about any of them i mean frank like frank lampard has been mentioned quite quite strongly as has uh well uh Paolo Fonseca, yeah, that... Daniel Farker, Scott Parker, Rafa Benitez is is in this is in, is in there, and so is Manuel Pellegrini. As is um, well actually he's not even in here as well. But I've I've seen Diego Martinez. In terms of the names you've mentioned there, Diego Martinez is the most enticing for me personally. Obviously, there's he's probably the most kind of known quantity to to the ownership. They've obviously had some experience with him, um, but. It just depends, man. It depends on what how we look to how we look to move forward. If he's coming in and we give him what we we feel like is needed and is necessary, then yeah, sure. But um, some of the other names there, I just just no, not for me. It just indicates again, it, it indicates continuing down the same path, and it doesn't it doesn't progress us at all. It's just kind of continuing where we are. And in which case, I'd probably rather just stick. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll mention a, a couple of them just um, just so they've had a mention. Uh... I think Rafa Benitez's time in in the EPL is 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 finished. Personally, I I I wasn't inspired by anything I saw him do with Everton, and um, I just don't know how that would help Botford at this current point of time. Um, Daniel Farker interests me. I think that that would be an interesting appointment. I you know I think he had success at Norwich, and I'd be interested to see what he could do with the team. 
And Frank Lampard, you know, I think he would be desperate to get a Premier League team and to prove that he does deserve to be a Premier League manager. And I think he would work very, very hard for any club that gave him that opportunity. Would he be the right fit for, for Watford? I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for me personally, it's a no for me and all of them. Um, I, I just it takes away from the direction I think the club have to be going, and I think they're just, they're, in my opinion, they're just not good fits, and I'd be disappointed. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's 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 not it. It's again, it's about the approach to the club, and I think those, I think those those coaches you mentioned, um, it, if they are hiring those guys, it doesn't indicate it to me that we are making the changes that we need to be making and and, and looking to to progress as a club, unless of course that change was a bigger change than you might have thought, first thought. In what sense? Uh, in the sense that they decided to build around that manager and change, you know, a, a lot of what they're, what they do. But are you going to, but are you going to be, are you going to look at Frank Lampard as someone that's going to say, right, this is the way we're playing. This is the guy we're bringing in to, to make the most. Is, is Frank Lampard that guy? Maybe he is. Maybe he is. But I need to really feel that that's actually the case because right now it wouldn't be a good fit. So, are we bringing him in to continue next year? Is, is Frank Lampard happy to go to the championship again? I don't know. I don't know. I don't exactly. I don't know either, Matt. That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I don't. I, I wouldn't think so. I don't think you go from Chelsea to managing to get to managing Watford getting relegated and then managing them in the championship. I don't think that's happening. So then I question if he's appointed. Are we going to be in the same situation come the summertime again? That that this is what I mean. I I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, Matt. No, it's it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, and I have I have got a couple of questions here. I did ask for a couple of questions, and we've actually I won't we won't necessarily isolate them and answer them all individually because I think we have covered it um, over the course of the conversation. But I will at least shout out the people that asked. Um, Dorota came in and said she's a big fan of Ranieri, um, but recent changes in performance make me wonder: is it him or the players? I think we covered that. It's a mixture of both, at the very least. Um, but they have to be accountable both sides of that. Um, Lee Jackson, do you think that Gino and Duxbury will reset and admit the transfer transfer recruitment policy has to change if we're ever to attract a progressive head coach and build an identity and philosophy rather than serving up any available players on the cheap without and hoping something works out? I think Lee's nailed it there. Exactly what we talked about. Um, that's that's the question. Are they capable of doing that? Are they humble enough to do so? I don't. I don't I don't know if they are or not. I truly do not know the answer to that question. But I think that right there from Lee, I think that is the most important question. And the thing we have to find out and the thing we will find out by by the summertime, we will know whether they are capable of doing so or not. I think that will be very apparent. Um, John, what's happened to King? I saw him hiding on Friday, not retur- not running into the box, strolling back. That's what Ranieri is talking about, not working as a team, not not seeing that on the pitch. I think that's what he's talking about right there. Um, he, John's right, he wasn't on his game and, and Josh King has been someone that's been really useful to us at times this season, but he was off the pace. And again, that that runs that runs through the whole team and it, it, it becomes an issue. Um, his second follow-up to that is, do we reset now and build for the championship return? And what does that mean in reality? It's a big risk and this is one of the issues uh, that we face. If you look to reset um, or, or rebuild, as it kind of is often talked about, it does come at a risk. Um, it doesn't always work out how many teams we've seen drop down and continue to free fall. 
it can work, it can not. I think you have to always try and do it in motion. You never have that stable standpoint to go from. It's not like an American system where you you know, you you, you reset over a couple of years and the, the worst thing that happens to you is you get a few good draft picks. There's a real there's a real financial risk here. Um and you have to be you have to be smart and you have to take educated gambles. But having said that, I do think we have to look to rebuild in a certain capacity, yes. Whether we accept the feet and go to the championship now, I'm not saying that, but we have to have these contingencies in place. Um and then, sorry, finally from James, what's happened to the fight we saw from Chelsea, uh, from the players against teams like Chelsea? Excellent question. I don't know, James. I don't know why we changed our approach. I don't know why we switched away from what we were doing. I don't know why Ranieri made, made the decision. I don't know why the players aren't, um, aren't executing what we'd like to see them do. Um, it, it's a real strange situation. Um, and again, I think it's a mixture. I think it's a little bit of uh, players kind of just dropping the tools a little bit and and shifting responsibility. And I also think it's a little bit of mismanagement. So I think it's a collective again. Um, Sorry to ramble on for that long time. The match wanted to make sure we covered those real quick. If you have any input, please go ahead. I know I just went on a rant. (laughs) No, no, I think you, I think you uh, handled that pretty well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The the one from Lee Jackson there is uh, absolutely spot on, isn't it? I mean, uh, and you know we don't we we don't really know the answers to these to these questions, do we? We 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 have our you know our opinions, and I I think what you said there is um you know is is very very fair to be honest, Jordan. Um, something else I'd like to I'd like to ask is is sort of picking up a, a tweet that you put out uh, yesterday, um, uh, Saturday. This would be after you know after I guess you had a chance to think about the game. You, you said obviously the season's not over. That uh, it's not looking good. If you're Watford, you have to be looking at how you can restructure the mechanics of the club. Cashing on Pedro, Saar and Dennis ASAP. Invest in some EFL talent and, for the love of God, slowly progress on a firm plan. Now, that tweet might depress a few people, but it's um, it certainly is an astute I, you know, way of thinking. Well, I mean, you have to think about these. It's it's hard. You, we're we're ultimately we're fans. So you build attachment to these players, and you want to see these players play at your club for a long time, and have all those like fairy tale things you want. But at the end of the day, they are assets to the team. Um, and restructuring, rebuilding, as we're talking about, as I said, it comes at a risk. You have to take pragmatic um, approaches at times. Uh, and I think you look at those players; they're declining assets. Um, maybe not so much declining. That's maybe a bit of a harsh way to to phrase it, but they are temporary assets. Um, and you have to. I'm always of the opinion you sell when hot, you sell when they're at the highest value, um, and you reinvest. This time, I don't. I don't know if Pedro's at his highest value. No, not his highest value necessarily. But I don't think his. I I don't think that we increase his value much further. Based on if we bring him down to the championship and force him to stay in the championship for a season, I don't think we're getting necessarily more returns from doing so. We might have Pedro there um, playing at. I, I, look, I just think if you bring a player down to the championship, he doesn't want to play in the championship again. You're taking a big risk to get that performance out of him anyway. Um, if you're getting a decent sum of money that you can actually reinvest and start to work towards this process, I want to work towards this process now. I don't want to work towards this process after a season of giving Pedro and Sarno the try in the championship. You know, I want to see I want to see us be proactive and be aggressive about the situation and look to make things happen. Pedro, Sar, Dennis, it would suck to see them leave uh, in many ways, but they're players that are replaceable, and I'd rather see the club be. 
better as a whole and the team better as a whole. Not necessarily at once. I'm not saying the teams will be better by taking out three of our best players, obviously, but you have to be pragmatic and you have to work out how you can best move the club forwards. And one of the ways to do so is cashing in assets and reinvesting in a smart, intelligent way. We held, we, we've learned holding on to players for too long, it's not great for you. Holding on to Decore for as long as we did, maybe not the best decision. You know, there's, there's things that we could have done better. And I think one thing is to be smart about how we look at the players. Moving on from those at a good time, I think is appropriate. We did the right thing last time we went down, but this time I think we have to we have to be a bit smarter. By investing in EFL talent, do you mean investing in EFL talent to compete this season to keep us up in the Premier League? Or do you mean preparing for relegation for the Championship? Both in general. I think we we underutilise that market. Um, obviously, it's inflated in some regards. Uh, but we've also seen clubs that have done a very good job of using that market. And it, it, especially with you know European rules now, um, we do a good job of finding the South American players, but we have a market at our disposable in front of us. Yes, it's it's obviously a little bit more competitive through domestic markets because there are other teams in the in the league and the country that are looking at the same players, but um, we haven't capitalised on it very much at all. Um, and I, I think we it's a good route for us that we're not using. I'm not saying I want us to use that exclusively, but we've definitely missed something there, and that's what I'm talking about again: club evolving, developing. It's gone out of fashion to buy domestically. It's actually come back into trend because we're seeing now there is a real talent base that's improving and improving. The league structure, down the league structure, we're starting to find better players coming through. And teams around us are capitalising them. I mean, we can go through countless examples, but I mean, Jared Bowen at West Ham, for example. You know, teams aren't afraid to, to buy in these markets. Top teams that are better than us aren't afraid to buy in these markets. And we're not really doing so right now. We obviously had some. I mean, we bring in the likes of Pollock, which is nice. Um, you know, Ben, ben Wilmot we had. But these are kind of smaller versions. I'd like to see us kind of do that a little bit more. And if you have some of the power that we have as a club, we do. We are a relatively, in inverted commas, big club. We can attract players. We can move within these markets and operate and be successful. But we have to kind of get our toes in the water and start to interact in these areas. Otherwise, we will get left behind further. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my opinion on that one. I think, we covered, I think we covered pretty much everything. I think we try and talked about things in the broader scope. I think we talked about the game. Um, and I, I think we covered everything. Don't want to sound overly negative, optimistic. We're just trying to break down, talk about things that are going on, on and off the pitch, give our opinion, and hopefully bring, bring some clarity where possible uh, to the situations that are going on. Obviously, we're all in this as a fan base kind of we want to talk it through and have conversation with you guys we appreciate you guys getting in touch and and speaking to us about these things we're obviously happy to talk about it even when it's kind of negative and painful at times ultimately we're supporters of the club and we're fans of the club and want what's best for them so yeah yeah the best way to uh to uh, make yourself feel better after after a defeat is is talking about it and uh you know talking about how how you can work forward Mm-hmm. I, and look, I think I think we've done a decent job of that, and I hope if we could have if we could have made someone feel slightly better about things, then that's all I need. It's only football. It's only football, Jordan. Yeah, it's, I don't uh, know, man. It's, it's, it's just you know entertainment. Yeah, I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's it. That's it. We're done. We're that's done. It. Right, yeah. right, okay, let's end on a, a positive note. Um, I would like to uh, once again thank the fans. Not that it was, you know, I didn't have anything to do with this, but I want to thank the fans for um, for turning up with their numbers and, and supporting, um, you know, what was a great 
you know, a great man in Graham Taylor. Um, the scarves were fantastic. And I want to thank the the guys who work behind the scenes at the club, um, you know, for, for, you know, getting people in and, and putting on a bit of a display and just making it feel like it was, um, you know, a home that everyone's proud to 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 have and to and to go along to and and you know I think there are there are big areas of the club that that need a round of applause because they've um you know never stopped doing you know the right thing and and um you know they they they're doing a they're doing a great job and I you know I think sometimes we forget about those kinds of uh those kinds of guys uh, um um you know PS the pitch looks fantastic every time they they walk out and um you know we we're doing we're doing some great work all over the place, um, and uh, you know sometimes we need to think about those things. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. All right, well, thanks very much, guys. Um, also, can we thank Dorita uh, for joining our Patreon recently? Um, Dorita has basically supported the the show since day one, and um, she continues to do so. Um, and I just want to thank her personally for 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 doing that. So thank you very much, and um, you know keep supporting the show, and and we'll keep bringing you content, and hopefully happier content as we as we go forward. And there's still plenty of games, Jordan. Plenty of games. The season is not done by a long shot, and Watford always get a win against teams we don't expect to get a win against. And um, you know we 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 may be down, but we're certainly not um, we're not buried, and um, we're. we're we're going to fight until until the end of the season uh, as fans and, and, you know, the players are, 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 I'm sure of it, feeling annoyed with themselves and they're going to be wanting to, you know, come back stronger, I know it. No, I hope so. All right, well, thank you to yourself, Jordan, for joining me today. I hope that Tom's okay, uh, probably enjoying some gardening or... Down the allotment, yeah. <laughs> In the allotment. Uh, he'll be with us uh, for the next show, hopefully. But until then... Um, you know, don't cry yourself to sleep too hard because we'll be back again very soon. When, when's our next game? Our next game is... Uh, oh, gosh, actually, we've got a bit of a way, haven't we? We've got two weeks until yeah, yeah, until yeah. Burnley. Um, massive game. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, they're, they're going to be up for it, Jordan. They're going to be up for it. I know it. I know it. All right. Well, I'm waiting to see it. Hope, I hope so. Me too. Alright, All right. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. <laughs>